something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The cheerleaders at a gym in Buffalo have been recording themselves. What's up? To make a new documentary. We're the so-called news reporters. Because one year ago, a mass shooting changed their lives. He just walked around and shot all the black people. The cheer squad, most of whom are black, had to figure out how to go on and how to compete. I wanted the win for them more than anything this season. Listen to the Embedded podcast from NPR within the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. It's Las Vegas, it's the 1990s, and it is time to find a husband. There were four Jewish doctors who were felt to be eligible bachelors. One of them was Bob Berenbaum. On paper, he was perfect, but in reality... This guy's a wacko. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the story of a man who's fascinated me. His name was Sweet Daddy Grace, and that's a name you don't forget. He was a visionary who built a fortune as a black man during Jim Crow, during the Depression. But today, not many people know about him. Erased, sort of wiped out, and I wonder if this was done intentionally. Listen to Sweet Daddy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From iHeart Podcasts and Nomadic Engine, the acclaimed dramatic thriller returns. Aftershock, season two. He's like a ghost. We had an agreement to keep each other's secrets. 
None of you are making decisions to keep the rest of us safe, which leaves me. I'm asking for your forgiveness. Aftershock Season 2, starring Sarah Wayne Callies, David Harbour, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Listen to Aftershock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It was perhaps the first time George Wagner IV heard his mother's voice in the four years since the family was arrested. Maybe think that my son did it. Or, or my anybody husband. in your family? No. I'm asking you, can you tell me definitively now? Yes, I can tell you definitively no. I want the truth from you, okay? Did something happen? You can see her attempting to fool, you know, everyone involved in this. Let's face it. We've got eight dead bodies in four separate locations. How in the world do you think that you can escape that? This is the Piketon Massacre, Return to Pike County. Season 4, Episode 14, The Matriarch Speaks. It's important to note that George Wagner IV has pleaded not guilty and has maintained he did not kill anyone. His father, Billy Wagner, whose trial is upcoming, has also pleaded not guilty to all charges. In the previous episode, we heard about how law enforcement came to view the Wagners as suspects in the murders of the Rodin, Manley, and Gilly families. Before it was suspicion and things weren't adding up. Yes. Lead investigator Ryan Scheiderer says that changed about a year after the homicides when BCI agents matched spent shell casings at the Wagner's home in Peebles. Based on that ballistics evidence, agents used search warrants to take deep dives into mobile devices used by George Wagner, who's on trial for murder, his brother Jake, and their parents, Billy and Angela Wagner. After originally preparing to intercept the Wagners in North Dakota, Investigators had to scramble to intercept the family at another Canadian border entry point. The Wagners were house hunting in Alaska. As they returned, agents intercepted them at the Canadian border. A year after the murders, now Wagner is accused of helping kill eight members of the Roden and Gilly families. Investigators detained the Wagners and placed each member of the family in a separate room. At this time, I believe you indicated that you were going to interview them as suspects instead of your prior contacts with them. Correct. The gig was up. They knew we were looking at them. While the Wagners were in custody, agents seized a laptop and an iPad from their vehicle. Law enforcement also placed listening devices in the Wagners' SUV and bugged their phones. Upon cross-examination, John Parker from the defense brings up the quality of the audio obtained from the bug the agents placed in the Wagner's vehicle. There's really nothing useful that came from those listening devices on the vehicle. Is that fair to say? They did not work as well as we hoped, correct? Right. There's, there was nothing useful gained out of that, correct? The quality of the audio was less than desirable. There was nothing useful gained? Correct. Here's James Pilcher, longtime investigative reporter in Cincinnati, now with Local 12. And as it turns out, that was kind of a snafu, too, because the road noise drowned out anything they could hear. They really didn't get really much of anything out of that, except, you know, when everybody came out, they came out one at a time and they sat there and they didn't talk about anything. Normally, if you're innocent and you're pulled over and all of a sudden you get out of a four hour interview, you're going to be asking your family members what the heck is going on. None of that. Nothing was heard like that on those recordings. Because of the rush to set up in Montana as opposed to North Dakota, agents were unable to videotape the interviews. 
Since the bug in the vehicle did not pick up usable audio, the audio recordings of the interviews at the Canadian border were all the investigators had. You interviewed Jake, is that correct? Yes, myself and uh, Special Agent Mulford. Okay, and do you recall how long that interview was approximately? Four to six hours, maybe. It's a long interview, Yes. Right? And, Judge, we would ask that uh, we'd be allowed to play Jake's interview at this point. The prosecution objects, and Judge Deering instructs the jury to leave the room for a 15-minute recess. Judge Deering asks for the prosecution and defense to present their arguments on whether Jake's taped interviews should be played for the court. Just the plain reading of, of Evidence Rule 801 says that the co-conspirator statement is attributed to the defendant. There's a lot of talk of Rule 801, but the gist of it is that the defense cannot introduce as evidence another co-conspirator's testimony during cross. Only the state is allowed to do that. That's the whole nature of the co-conspiracy. So they all denied it, right? That was part of the conspiracy. So, so he does not get to put it in. Now, if and when Jake testifies, he certainly can use this to cross-examine him as a prior inconsistent statement at that point. John Parker argues that Jake's testimony is part of the defense's constitutional right to present a complete defense. Part of our complete defense is that Jake was lying in Montana and being untruthful. This co-conspirator statement was covering up his acts. We shouldn't have to wait to see if they call Jake uh, as a witness. Uh, it comes in at this point. This officer participated in interviewing Jake. He's a proper witness to bring him in. When it's time to make a ruling, Judge Deering decides he needs to hear more argument. I'm not going to decide ultimately today whether we're going to be able to play that tape in the defense side of the case. I'll decide that tomorrow morning. Uh, after I've heard arguments here. You should be ready about 8.45 to go on the record and argue that issue, and then I'll make that decision. They let the jury back into the courtroom, and Judge Deering addresses the court. Ladies and gentlemen, the court, we're going to have an early day close today. The court has some things to do that do not involve the jury. Deering closes the day early to give the defense and prosecution time to prepare for tomorrow's hearing. Here again, James Pilcher. So I pretty much shut down the trial for the afternoon. And actually, the judge held it under advisement and said, I'll rule on it tomorrow. So we were all on pins and needles the next day as to whether or not we're going to have to sit through six hours of listening to Ryan and Jake talk to each other. News media reports the latest development in the trial. The defense tried to play Jake Wagner's first interrogation tape today, but the prosecution said, wait, you can't do that. We have to enter that as evidence first. And the judge said, show up here tomorrow morning and prepare to argue about it, and he'll make a decision then. So that brings us to tomorrow. Will jurors hear Jake Wagner's five-hour interrogation tape? Will they hear Angela Wagner's two-hour interrogation tape? And how will George, the man on trial, come up in those tapes. But the next morning, it's not Jake's interview that makes news. George Wagner IV providing an explosive audio recording of his mom Angela's interrogation by BCI agents. It was perhaps the first time George Wagner IV heard his mother's voice in the four years since the family was arrested. Before the jury is brought in, Judge Deering hears arguments about whether to allow in the audio recording of Jake's interview from when the Wagners were intercepted at the Canadian border. Prosecutor Angie Canepa lays out her reasons for the objection. Jake made a complete denial. There was nothing that, that was taken from that interview by Special Agent Tyler 
that informed next investigative steps. So I guess really one question would be for what purpose is this being requested to be played? Here's John Parker with the defense. Because Jake has pled guilty to conspiracy. Angela has pled guilty to conspiracy. conspiracy. Um, they are co-conspirators, all right? State's theory that our client uh, is involved in this conspiracy. And even though the crime had been committed, murders were done, this uh, recording will reflect Jake's efforts to cover up his involvement. Finally, Judge Deering makes a ruling. Well, I think I understand the arguments of all, but I'm going to deny the request of defense to play the tape at this time. Here again, James Pilcher. One of the interesting things about this day was the prosecution specifically chooses not to play the tape of the recording they made with George. And there were some questions, okay, why aren't they playing this to show what he was saying at the time? As for the strategy of this, we think possibly they're not playing it so... If and when George decides to take the stand, he can't tailor his testimony to what he said at the border. And it's actually part of this argument about Jake as well, Jake's recording. And they say no, that allows him to testify on his own behalf without taking the stand. So that's where that argument comes up, and it turns into another legal battle. And it's one the prosecution wins. With Jake's interview ruled as inadmissible at this point in the trial, the prosecution calls up their next witness. Please raise your right hand. Do you solemnly swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth that you shall answer unto God? I do. BCI agent Jennifer Thomas Ford has six years' experience with the Special Investigations Unit in Ohio BCI. She wears a polka dot shirt and a blazer with straight brown hair that falls to her shoulders. She is relaxed on the stand. Agent Commisford was one of the agents present for the searches of the Wagner's farm and trailers. She was also on the team of agents that interviewed the Wagner's at the Canadian border. You treated it like a custodial interview. Tell us what that means. We treated it as a custodial interview in that we Mirandized Angela Wagner because we treated it as though she was in custody, not free to leave, and that she was being interrogated. So we, re we read her her Miranda rights. Your Honor, at this time I would request to play the uh, recording of Special Agent Thomas Ford's interview with Angela Wagner at the Montana border. The prosecution cues up the tape of Angela's interview and begins playing it for the jury. The defendant, George Wagner, stares down at his feet. But the reason we're here is obviously, okay, dealing with all that, all that noise going down in Pike County, and that's the reason we came up here to get away from all that. Okay. Okay. Tracing the media is all over it, so. Have you been following any of that? Of course. Yep. You know, we just want to get away from down there and and talk to you outside of the state of Ohio and Pike County. I think it would be best for everybody. Uh, I have some personal questions for you, though. Uh, sure. How was it how was last? Oh, we love it. Here again, James Pilcher. This recording of Angela is really significant. First of all, it's the first time we hear her voice in the courtroom. But second of all, it gives us a sense of their state of mind as they're becoming aware that they're being suspects, they're being treated as suspects. Agent Commisford and Agent Rick Ward ask about Angela Wagner's relationship with the Roden family. The relationship I had with the Rodens was through Hannah. Hannah and my son Jake were together for five years. Were they married? No. Okay. Um, did they intend on getting married? Yes. Okay. They had a wedding planned, everything was planned out for that August. 
out. She had everything organized, everything ready. And um, I know that she wanted a break. And she took a break. And she, How did he take it? Well, it was hurt. Of course. You know, Jake, she was the love of his life. Right. I mean, my son doesn't take anything lightly. Mm-hmm. Do you know why he had wanted a break? You know what? I don't know. I know that Hannah was really young mm-hmm. when her and Jake got together. And What's the age difference for her between the two? Hannah was 13 and my son was uh, 17. Okay. 16 and a half, something like that. Okay. So your relationship with, with Hannah was good? I thought she was a school brat. But I, I thought she was a school brat because she really was. I mean, no offense, but she was. Her dad let her get away with everything. Mm-hmm. She would give me looks and she would snarl and she would tell Jake I was being mean and you know, but that's typical teenage Yeah, stuff. all typical. Sometimes mother-in-laws can talk Mother-in-laws are the worst. Of right. It's an easy, easy yes. scapegoat. Yep. The agents bring the conversation back to Jake's reaction to Hannah Roden dating other people. So when, when Hannah gets pregnant with the other baby, the other guy, yeah, how did they go over number one with the other boyfriend or boyfriends and Jake? Well, one, Jake never talked to the other boyfriends. Okay. Now, uh, actually, Jake, the only time he ever talked to Charlie was whenever they went to the courtroom and they were going to determine whose DNA was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The paternity test showed that Charlie Gilly, and not Jake Wagner, was the father of Hannah's second baby. The agents ask if Angela was upset about Hannah Mae getting pregnant by another man who was not Jake. And even she told me, she had texted me when she texted me about being pregnant. Um, she was afraid I would be upset that Were she you? was pregnant again. I wasn't upset, no. No. I was upset when she left Jake, yeah. Here's forensic medical examiner Joseph Scott Morgan. One of the striking things about this is they begin to talk about the fact that uh, Hannah had kind of separated herself away from the rest of the family and gone out and gotten pregnant by another guy. And I really wonder, you know, she says that that didn't necessarily upset her. Does anybody actually believe that? You know, because I think that it would have been Angela's desire to continue to have controlled, you know, Hannah. You know, because if you have control over Hannah, you have control over the child that she had with Jake. BCI agent Rick Ward asked Angela about Billy Wagner's relationship with Hannah Mae Roden. With Hannah? Yeah. Oh, God, he loved that girl. He called her his brat, but he loved her, you know. Even, I mean, that's why I always told Chris. I said, Chris, even if they break up, she's still going to be my daughter. Sorry, but you're going to have to share. Here's Stephanie and Jeff. Well, we know Steph from interviewing close Wagner family friends that they were aware that they were kind of under the lens of law enforcement and that they were kind of planning for potentially being interrogated or talked to. And so when we hear these recordings, it's so interesting and fascinating. I mean, I don't think this is so off the cuff. Like, I think they had a little bit of a script in their heads. You're right. But again, even if they have a script and they have a plan, it's real different when you're separated for the first time and being asked and questioned by authorities. This is the moment. This, by all accounts, is the moment where authorities collected the most data that would be later used against them. 
We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. Back in the 1990s in Las Vegas, a few of us dated the most eligible bachelor in town, Bob. He spoke several languages. He did medical missionary work, and he was Jewish. He was perfect on paper. But he wasn't. He really wasn't. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. Bob could lie about anything. It only takes the one time and somebody ends up dead. Unfortunately for Bob, us girlfriends know how to fight back. I wanted him to pay for his crime. He needed to be put to justice. I'll be honest with you, if I saw him right now, I'd spit on him. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. I will always hound you and haunt you. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here, host of Revisionist History, a show about the overlooked and the misunderstood. Stories you won't hear anywhere else. Like our ongoing obsessive campaign to blow up the world's most bogus college ranking system. Why not? Just throw in a few extra zeros. (laughs) Or witness me after years of fancy public speaking, learning that I kind of have to start over. The tone that you had throughout the debate was very similar to some of the students that I do work with. Um, And that's what I teach them not to do. We're making more revisionist history for you this year than ever from places all across this great country. Emergency rooms, huge theaters, small towns, and shooting ranges. And you want to put your thumb up like this, Now you're going to pull the trigger with this finger Mm -hmm. here, okay? Listen to Revisionist History on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From iHeart Podcasts. What in the hell is going on in here? Everyone has their limits. I'd never confronted a situation like this. I just thought it was just a really terrible, immoral thing. A line they won't cross. I was stunned, and I just said, no. We're killing people. You may never have to face that decision. When you find yourself at that line. Thoughts racing, hearts racing. And somebody needs to just, for once, give everybody the whole truth. I'm like, this is evil. And the only person who can sound the alarm is you. I wasn't just going to sit silently by. From iHeart Podcasts, these are the whistleblowers. If you are disloyal. Bad things are going to happen. If you speak out. Disgrace to our country. Evil pay. He should be prosecuted. When power corrupts, conscience is the last line of defense. I'm Miles Taylor. Listen to The Whistleblowers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name's Laverne Cox. I'm an actress, producer, fashionista, and host of The Laverne Cox Show. You may remember my award-winning first season. I've been pretty busy, but there's always time to talk to incredible guests about important things. People like me have been screaming for years, we got to watch the Supreme Court. What they're doing is wrong. What they're doing is evil. They will take things away. And I can only hope that Dobbs is that, like, Pearl Harbor moment. Girl, you and I both know what it took to just get through the day in New York City and get home in one piece. And so the fact that we're here and what you've achieved and what I've achieved, you know, that's momentous. 
It's not just us sitting around complaining about some bills. The only reason that you might think, as Chase said, that we're always miserable is because people are constantly attacking us and we're constantly noticing it. Listen to The Laverne Cox Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share. Agents ask if Angela was ever in Chris Roden Sr.'s trailer. You've been in that trailer. Mm-hmm. Were you ever in Chris, Chris's trailer? One time. One time? Mm-hmm. How long ago was that? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Well, let's see, let me see here. Four, maybe four years ago. Okay. I, don't like it. <laughs> I don't like sitting on the couch and having this much dog hair on it. No offense. His dogs uh, were great, you know. I mean, but no, I don't like sitting in dog hair. I'm with dogs, at least, I mean, Friendly, you don't have to worry about anything like that. No, you you have to, okay, let's put it this way. Uh, if he's there, mm-hmm. you're okay. Okay. Now, Chance is a bull, big, lovey dog. Sweet as he can be. Aww. Um, as long as you know. They're home. They're home. Now, okay. Jake, Jake's gotten bit several times by Chance. I mean, we're well, yeah. didn't bite his butt off. She was not particularly a fan of the rodents, it sounds like. Thought they were too messy thought, you know, she never went over to Chris Sr. She went over once for the 4th of July party and it was too smoky and there was too much dog hair everywhere. Agents then bring it back to the murders. So when this incident occurs, what, what were your initial thoughts? I was horrified. Right, Hannah had just been to my house. Just days before the murders, Angela Wagner says that Hannah Mae Roden came by to show her new baby to Jake, George, and Angela. Okay. And was everything cool or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was making fun of Jake because he had tried to dye his hair a little darker brown and it turned out more black and she was making, <laughs> she was making fun of him, you know, about his hair and stuff. And no, we were, I mean, everything was fine. Investigators bring the interview back to the day after the murders. How did you first find out about it? The news. Like in the morning or? You know what, I don't know. It was, it was morning time. I know Billy was watching the news. Mm-hmm. And Were you guys together? Yeah. Okay. Angela tells the agents she was with Billy at the Peterson Road residence when she heard the news about the rodents being murdered. What was Jake's response? Jake was devastated. When he, he was uh, crying, he was upset. Was he, home, so was he home when he heard the news? Were you guys all together when he heard the news? He was outside. Agents ask Angela why she thinks the trailers on her farm were searched by authorities. Okay, this is the part I'm upset about. Sure. We gave them everything they needed for. And okay. then, you know, we get halfway up the road and they're down there searching the farm. And then, I'm sorry, what they did to our stuff and our trailers is ridiculous. All they had done was say, hey, we want to search. I opened the door. You know, search. I've got nothing to hide. Angela Wagner is then asked if there was a written custody agreement between Jake and Hannah Mae Roden. Now, was there any type of living will or anything? Like, if something were to happen, this is what we're, you know, would go? I have no idea on that. You have no idea? Do you have that? Mm-hmm. Um, something I want to show you. Here again, James Pilcher. We saw it in how they circled around with Billy. And we saw the same kind of approach. They obviously had the shoe print stuff. They obviously had the receipt. They obviously had the shell casings. 
It takes them two to three hours to get to the point where they're presenting that in front of them. The investigator pulls out a document and places it in front of Angelo Wagner. So this right here, does this look familiar to you? Those are hmm, Those are the documents appears to be a custody agreement saying that in the event of Hannah Mae Roden's death, that custody of her daughter would go to Jake Wagner. It appears to have Hannah's signature on the form. The detectives tell Angela they found it in her trailer. This is what we're curious about, though, and it was, do you know who that is? Yeah, that's my mom. That's your mom? Mm-hmm. So your mom notarized this? Right. But you didn't know about it? I don't remember it. Okay. Here again, Stephanie and Jeff. This is unbelievable to be hearing for the first time. She's speaking so casually and she's talking so cavalierly about her relationship with the Rodins and Billy's relationship with Hannah Mae. And it all sounds kind of cozy. Yeah, we covered in season one of the podcast when Angela Wagner made that public Facebook post right after the murders, calling Hannah Mae Roden a daughter to her, hoping to catch the monsters who did this. And this interview is like that post on steroids. How do you not crack under the pressure? My biggest takeaway from these recordings is that the Wagner family, at least Angela in this instance, really thought they could outsmart police. The document was notarized by Angela's mother, Rita Newcomb. The agents continue to press Angela on the forged custody agreement that they found in her trailer. But we're just trying to figure out, um, this, this is really interesting to me. It printed out three three weeks before the murder, and you said you don't remember printing it out. No. Okay. I don't. I, mean, I just I don't. I don't remember. They did have those documents, and they were able to clearly show, hey, they're signed here, but they were clearly printed out here on this day from this website blank. How do you explain that? They were printed out weeks before the murders, and yet they've got a date two years before. How do you, how do you explain this? And she said, I can't remember. I didn't do it. The agents ask if Jake, Billy, or George Wagner could have done the murders. So I'm I'm asking you. Maybe you think that my son did it? Or or anybody in your family? I'm asking you, okay, can you tell me definitively now? Yes, I can tell you definitively no. Tell me why. Black out no. Tell me why. Because one, my son wouldn't do that. I said he had nothing against, uh, he had nothing against them. And even though him and Hannah broke up, it wasn't enough for that. Agents show Angela Wagner photos of foot impressions made in blood found at the crime scene. So what we have at the crime lab is they have a database like we do fingerprints, mm-hmm. okay? And what we can do is we can take any shoe tread in the world and identify the manufacturer and the size. Mm-hmm. Angela Wagner is then showed a pair of shoes. You don't ever remember buying those for any reason? Or ever seeing those? It doesn't look familiar to you in any way? I know. No. I mean, I've seen your dad have some of those. The agents then show Angela a receipt. We have a receipt for those shoes purchased by you. Okay, well, I did purchase them. Mm-hmm. I got them, but I don't... They are in a man's shoe. So, 
they wouldn't wear them. But they wouldn't have used them on those because I threw them away. But what about so you, so you remember buying them two weeks before? Yes, summer? I purchased them. I am telling you, they didn't like them. They wouldn't wear them. You know, they wanted a pair of shoes. They always wear boots. What do you do? I bought them and they didn't like them. I don't know about that. The agents show Angela a photo of her coming out of Walmart the day she purchased the shoes. It was caught on security camera. Who's in the car? Did you go to? Did you go with the kids? Did you, I mean, you look alone in that picture um, when you went to Walmart to buy that stuff back in April 2016. Okay, you're alone. But I don't know that you're alone getting back in the car. You're not. No, I was not alone. Where you with? Yeah, where you with? I know the kids were the kids were sleeping. Where? I think. Well, they would have been in the car. I didn't leave with David, but I think I think they were all in the car. I can't remember that one. Okay, two weeks before the the homicide, you purchased two pairs of shoes, which identically match bloody footprints in a crime scene. Okay. That's a lab report from the shoe confirming to match the tread. The database they pulled up with the shoe tread to verify the match. This is a lab report from the casing in the driveway. Agents present another lab report to Angela Wagner. They're an identical match. There were casings recovered from several of the crime scenes. Okay. Of, okay. Of various calibers. Yeah. Okay. These identically match the shell casings in your driveway. Okay, the 22 shell casings were fired from the same gun that killed him. There's no way, Angela, it's an identical match. We have, uh, there's no way that they were, there's no way. We have everyone in our ballistics lab, every expert, every firearm experts review and confirm. It is an identical match. You do know we're not the only ones that shot guns at our house, right? There's several people down. Over the time span we've been there, there's been several people down there. Angela, casings are a definitive match on a blueprint. And I understand what you're saying on that. I do. It's a blueprint. When I fire, when I fire my weapon, my issued gun, and it ejects a round, okay? Yes. And then I use it somewhere else. That's an identical match. James Pilcher. One thing that strikes me in these interviews and this tape with Angela is how her demeanor changes the minute they show her the stuff about the shoes. The bullets, the shell casings, all of that, she had an answer for it. But you could almost see, based on her voice change and everything else and how she starts uh, hammering and hawing and hemming and all of that, the minute they present that, how it, her demeanor changes, she immediately gets defenses. So, huge, huge moment there. Joseph Scott Morgan. They've lived in a bubble. It's it's very, it's protected from everything else from the outside world. Suddenly, you know, that bubble is no longer existent. You understand that somebody has penetrated and somebody's penetrated that you don't have any control over. And you've been able to control all these other people within this environment. And maybe for the first time, fear sets in at that moment. You think you've got all the bases covered. You know, you're running off to Walmart to buy shoes. You're just, you're doing all this and you're trying to work your logistical magic here. And suddenly, 
uh, somebody's penetrated, and suddenly you realize there's actually somebody that's smarter than you that's in the room. But I want the truth from you, okay? Did something happen? No, I'm not that I'm aware of nothing happened. Okay, my but there's, but there's, but you say you're, you told me uh, 10 minutes ago, you're definitively sure. I am not. Definitive. Yes, I this, there's too much money. Definitive after all this. Even after all that, we have casings that we use at the crime, we have the same gun that was used at the crime scene that was shot at your house. We have shoes. I guess the bottom line is we have all this. You can understand how this appears. I, yes, I see that you have. And this is the, if, it, if you're going to have any chance to talk with us about what happened, what knowledge you have, it's now. Angela, you, you're not being 100%. I know you are. I can tell by the way you're talking. Okay. Well, no, 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 I'm just, just going to stop. I'm just going to stop. Well, I don't want to make you mad. No, I'm just, I'm just going to stop right here, and do you, I can get an attorney. That's what I'm going to do, because I don't, uh, no, I'm just not going to say no more. Agents stop the interview and the recording. Here's James Pilcher, followed by Joseph Scott Morgan. I mean, you could see it, right? As soon as they started presenting her the hard evidence, she clammed up. She's like, I need a lawyer. Suddenly, all of that planning that she's done, the purchasing, the controlling of everybody, suddenly that's becoming unraveled. She knows she at least has enough of a survival instinct about her at that point in time. She knows that she needs to reach out for counsel, and I mean quick, because this thing is, is spinning in a flat spin, uh, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn out poorly for her. Let's stop here for another break. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. Back in the 1990s in Las Vegas, a few of us dated the most eligible bachelor in town, Bob. He spoke several languages. He did medical missionary work, and he was Jewish. He was perfect on paper. But he wasn't. He really wasn't. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. Bob could lie about anything. It only takes the one time and somebody ends up dead. Unfortunately for Bob, us girlfriends know how to fight back. I wanted him to pay for his crime. He needed to be put to justice. I'll be honest with you, if I saw him right now, I'd spit on him. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. I will always hound you and haunt you. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here, host of Revisionist History, a show about the overlooked and the misunderstood. Stories you won't hear anywhere else. Like our ongoing obsessive campaign to blow up the world's most bogus college ranking system. Why not just throw in a few extra zeros? (laughs) Or witness me after years of fancy public speaking, learning that I kind of have to start over. The tone that you had throughout the debate was very similar to some of the students that I do work with. Um, And that's what I teach them not to do. We're making more revisionist history for you this year than ever from places all across this great country. Emergency rooms, huge theaters, small towns, and shooting ranges. And you want to put your thumb up like this. Now you're going to pull the trigger with this finger Mm -hmm. here, okay? Listen to Revisionist History on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. From iHeart Podcasts. What in the hell is going on in here? Everyone has their limits. I never confronted a situation like this. I just thought it was just a really terrible, immoral thing. A line they won't cross. I was stunned, and I just said, no. We're killing people. You may never have to face that decision. When you find yourself at that line. Thoughts racing, hearts racing. And somebody needs to just, for once, give everybody the whole truth. I'm like, this is evil. And the only person who can sound the alarm is you. I wasn't just going to sit silently by. From iHeart Podcasts, these are the whistleblowers. If you are disloyal. Bad things are going to happen. Please speak out. Disgrace to our country. You will pay. He should be prosecuted. When power corrupts, conscience is the last line of defense. I'm Miles Taylor. Listen to the whistleblowers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name's Laverne Cox. I'm an actress, producer, fashionista, and host of The Laverne Cox Show. You may remember my award-winning first season. I've been pretty busy, but there's always time to talk to incredible guests about important things. People like me have been screaming for years, we got to watch the Supreme Court. What they're doing is wrong. What they're doing is evil. They will take things away. And I can only hope that Dobbs is that, like, Pearl Harbor moment. Girl, you and I both know what it took to just get through the day in New York City and get home in one piece. And so the fact that we're here and what you've achieved and what I've achieved, you know, that's momentous. It's not just us sitting around complaining about some bills. The only reason that you might think, as Chase said, that we're always miserable is because people are constantly attacking us and we're constantly noticing it. Listen to The Laverne Cox Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share. After hearing the interview with Angela Wagner in its entirety, John Parker with the defense gets up for cross-examination. He asks Agent Commisford about Angela Wagner's home in Bethel Hill, where she lived with her family for a time. Were you aware that she was involved in some fraudulent arsons up on Bethel Hill? I recall some limited information about there being arson claims. Did you know that um, one of the houses that burned down that she had built had a marijuana grow room in the basement at her direction. I don't know that I was aware of that at Buffalo Hill, now. All right. Were you aware of her uh, dog breeding business, that she fraudulently represented the dogs were purebred when they were not, you were not aware of No, that? I was not aware of that, no. And Angela told you that Jake was devastated at the news of Hannah's death. Is that right? Yes, she did say that. And you later learned that Jake is actually the one that shot Hannah and killed her. You learned that, yes. correct? Fair to say, Angela's been very deceitful about many things. I would say that she's been deceitful about things, yes. At that point, you know, the defense goes to the BCI agent who conducted the interview asking her, hey, did you ask her about the dog breeding business? Did you ask her about the arsons. Did you ask about the marijuana business? They said, no, we were trying to solve the murder. But they were, I think, trying to sow seeds of doubt about the effectiveness of the investigation, or at least the effectiveness of the questions that they asked. 
She asks Agent Commisford if any members of the Wagner family had concerns about the rodents having custody of the child that Jake and Hannah shared. My understanding is there were concerns on the part of the Wagner family that would become under the custody of the rodent family. So did you know which of the Wagners had those concerns? Specifically, Angela, Jake, George, and Billy. They're building to this conspiracy that it wasn't just a couple of people, it was the entire family. And this family is such that if one person knows it, all four of them know it. So they're still building to this. They're driving to Alaska, six of them with two little kids in one car across country, thousands of miles together. How would they be able to be that close and share their finances and all of that and yet not know about killing eight people? and planning to kill eight people, and building the guns to kill eight people, and all of that. Special Prosecutor Angie Canepa redirects. You were asked if it appeared that Angela Wagner was alone when she was in the store purchasing those shoes, and your response was what? It was my understanding inside the store that she was alone, yes. When she was outside of the store, was she alone? No. Okay, and what do you base that on? Um, Video evidence. Okay, and specifically she got into the back of that vehicle. Yes, correct. So, who was with Angela Wagner when she bought the shoes at Walmart? More on that next time. For more information on the case and relevant photos, follow us on Instagram at KT underscore studios. The Pikes and Massacre is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Jeff Shane, Chris Kakaro, Andrew Arnau, Gabriel Castillo, and me. Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Music by Jared Aston. The Piketon Massacre is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. It's Las Vegas, it's the 1990s, and it is time to find a husband. There were four Jewish doctors who were felt to be eligible bachelors. One of them was Bob Berenbaum. On paper, he was perfect, but in reality... This guy's a wacko. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Will Daly. For years, I've been on the road playing shows and seeing America through live music. This summer, I'll hit the stage with season two of Sound of Our Town. Ten cities, 12 episodes, every other Thursday. We explore the live music venues and culture of a new American city with each new episode. Our tour continues into the kind of venues you want to get to when you land in Detroit, Providence, Denver, or Seattle. Listen to Sound of Our Town on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Sridhar. And I'm Arthi. We have spent the last 20 years building and working at some of the largest companies in the world. We worked with some remarkable people, Rob McElhinney. When I see the people of Wrexham, I grew up exactly like them. Check out the Arthi and Sridham Show. That is A-A-R-T-H-I and S-R-I-R-A-M show. Listen to the Arthi and Sriram show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
from iHeart Podcasts and Nomadic Engine, the acclaimed dramatic thriller returns. Aftershock, season two. He's like a ghost. We had an agreement to keep each other's secrets. None of you are making decisions to keep the rest of us safe, which leaves me. I'm asking for your forgiveness. Aftershock, season two, starring Sarah Wayne Callies, David Harbour, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Listen to Aftershock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.